Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. Tell you what, a lot has changed in one week. Aaron, how are we? I mean, it's been a, a wild and crazy ride, as the entire season has been, and uh, the off season has proven to be nothing different thus far. Uh, maybe even a steeper hill on this roller coaster, if anything. But it's still March. It is still yep. March. My favorite time of the year, if I'm going to be honest with you. Still the NCAA tournament, which, uh, you know, sadly, the Bearcats are not a part of this season. But there was, in the midst, the 900th win for Bob Huggins. I was in attendance, luckily. And then, of course, Mick Cronin heading to a Sweet 16. I wish we could say the same for the red and black at this moment. But still, there's a lot of different things going on. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to bringing on two legends. There's no other way to put it other than legend of the Bearcat faithful. That is none other than DeMar Johnson. Yes, that is right. The DeMar Johnson. McDonald's All-American, the going pro as a junior in high school fame, coming here, playing for one season and dominating. Game winner against DePaul. You go down, you break it down. 16-year pro career. He was an assistant under Mick as well. DeMar, welcome to the BBP. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Thanks for the introduction. And, of course, James Flight White. I say it again, James Flight White. McDonald's All-American. He has an electric shimmy. If you watch his highlights, he will shimmy with the best of them. And, of course, a member of the 1,000-point club. Leading scorer his senior year. Dropped 32 in the game against Syracuse in the Big East tournament. We'll talk about that later. Uh, 14-year pro career, and of course, welcome to the BVP, James White. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, I'm not flight anymore. So, no flight. But it's, it's cool. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've seen you recently throw down a couple. I know I saw DeMar had had a video posted recently. Yeah, yeah. It's not It's not the same. <laughs> okay. No, no more free throw line between the legs. Oh no, that's that's long gone. That's long <laughs> gone right there. Okay, fair enough. We'll just go with James White. Welcome oh. to the BBP. Thanks for having me. Of course, we got to dive into it, guys. Uh March, you guys are familiar with March. You know what playing in the NCAA tournament means. Those teams are happy. Those teams are fighting for a championship still. But in the current landscape of basketball, it seems like the other side of the coin is a new player entering their name into the transfer portal. It seems like every five, 10 minutes, I, I just looked down at my phone and just got a Twitter notification that another player has yet again answered, entered the transfer portal. Don't say that. You're going to make people freak out. Calm down. Well, not, not, for, <laughs> well, not for us. I, I have a couple of Twitter notifications open that just lets me know current players, this, that, and the other. So I guess both of you guys, just the first open-ended question, the direction of college basketball with this, transfer portal and the one time transfer rule. We'll start with the vet, Damar. Your kind of just take on the current landscape of college basketball as a whole. Well, I mean, this this only year that they're able to do this, right? No, no. The so the transfer portal is is permanent and in the summer they are going to pass a legislation that allows for one free transfer where you don't have to sit out. So Everybody oh. is going to be able to go into the transfer portal. 
as many times as they want. And your first time, uh, once this passes, you will be able to do so without penalty. You'll be immediately eligible at your new school. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. This that's that's different. I thought it was just some corona pandemic thing where guys were able to, you know, give them the option of transferring because of, you know, circumstances they might want to be away from home. Some guys' conference might not be playing this year, so give them the option of leaving. Oh man, it's gonna get scary if you guys can do this every year. Um is 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 weird, man. I mean, I know you, I'm always for the players getting their getting their options and you know trying to trying to make them happy, but some guys I feel like gonna take advantage of this and, and go somewhere where where it's not the grass is not gonna be greener. No, some guys, yeah, the coach don't like you. You're not getting along with the coach, you're not playing. Some guys might just wanna wanna move just because it's it's there and they think something's better for them. So I think it's a little scary to have that there. James, kind of, you know, same question to you. And you, you know, kind of touch on your college career as well, real quick. Right. How you, you know, Florida, your freshman year, transferred to Cincinnati. You kind of had a path chosen out for it. So yeah, kind of yeah, break down I mean, you and then, of course, the current landscape. I mean, for me, uh, of course, it's a lot different from when I, when I transferred. I had to sit out. So it made the decision a lot tougher for me, um, knowing I had to sit out and knowing what I wanted to accomplish getting to the NBA and knowing that, Every year that passes, it's going to be harder for you to get to the NBA because they're looking at you even more. And they, you know, they, they're drafting off potential back then. So, uh, I mean, I look at it two ways, man. I'm happy. I'm kind of happy for the kids because, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of circumstances, kids pick the wrong school or things don't work out. But it makes it so much difficult for the coaches now. It's harder. You make it even harder to coach these kids because now any bad thing you do, they're going to be out. Like it, it makes it difficult to, to, to really coach people and tell people the truth. Like everybody wants that coach that's going, that they can trust and that they believe is going to tell them the real, the real all the time. But these players might not be able to handle it. And when they do hear it, they might not like it and want to leave. So it's hard to, you know, makes it a lot harder for coaches these days. Now, I heard on your uh, on your Instagram live mm-hmm. video the other day, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, you were talking about how much of a difference you think it could have made having some of the players being able to be there at the gym this year. And of course, I wasn't allowed with with Corona. So what kind of a, an effect do you think the you know coronavirus and all the rules this year had in the way that this is not just affected Cincinnati, but just the entire college landscape in general? Man, it's, I think it's huge because you got to think about like, I mean, as a college athlete and DJ notice, I mean, you're going into them gyms and, and you're, you're turning on a different switch, right? So you turn it on a different switch when you go in there and you're having to play hard and do everything this man is demanding you to do. And then when you leave, you can just turn the switch off and relax, you know, do the things that all college, you know, kids get to do, hang out with people, go to, go to parties, hang out with your girlfriend, play video games, get away from the distraction of the basketball, the basketball part of the man's of that and school on top of that. But now you don't have that. So now it's just basketball, basketball, basketball. And the people that you are used to hanging with aren't there. Your family isn't there. Um, and sometimes your teammates aren't even there because they, they're, they're in different protocols and different stuff like that. So it's just making it way more tougher to release that, all that built-up energy that you have every day. It's making it way tougher. Marty, you kind of sense that as well? I mean, your one season at Cincinnati, could you imagine what it would be like you would just be straight from the gym back to the dorm. 
Doesn't sound fun to me. No, not at all. And and I wasn't even, I didn't even do much. I hung around with Satterfield every day. And we didn't, we didn't, we didn't do a whole lot. It was a lot of basketball school, but we were able to, you know, hang around campus and mess with girls and stuff like that. I couldn't imagine like not being able to do some of those things, even though I didn't do a lot. Kind of ties in the whole thing with, with what's going on with Cincinnati program right now. I mean, you kind of just see the, the whole freshman class. And then, of course, you know, one of the main sophomores all deciding, hey, it's time for them to enter their name into the portal. Kind of what was your initial reaction when you kind of saw everything happening last last Tuesday? I mean, hit me like a brick wall. But uh, I mean, here we are. Yeah, when, when, when I seen Zach leaving, I, I mean, I'm like, OK, I figured Zach would be gone. Right. And I talked to Zach like last year and he he thought he was going to be good this year because he thought Keith was leaving. So he come back this year and Keith's still here. He's playing well. Then, you know, we, we got to be we got to be gone for 20 some days. Come back. He's not playing as much. So I figured Zach would be a little frustrated. Um, when I seen Mike Saunders leave, that's what I was like, you know, holy crap, what's going on? Like, he's playing and he's going to play all the minutes. I mean, the, the keys is his. So when, we, when he left, it kind of, then there was, then I'm hearing Tari's going to leave and I'm hearing Madsen's going to leave, you know, and that's when everybody started to panic. And I just wasn't sure what was going on. And I couldn't, you know, go straight to, you know, you know, coach did something because I didn't know. I just wanted to try to f- find out more what was going on. But them guys, them guys leaving, guys who are going to play for a, a hell of a program and be able to do well, I'm just not sure what else what else they looking for. You know what's bad when DJ hits me up like, uh, Chad, what's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because... Yeah, because, you know, people were going crazy. They called it for Coach Head. And I'm like, man, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. And, I mean, I've, and I've talked to a few guys since then and got a little bit of insight. But still, I'm just like, you never know. You're going to go somewhere else, and another coach is going to piss you off. And and then what are you going to do? You might not play as much. You might not have the same, the same like, you know, schedule, not the same in a big school like this. Some of them guys looking at schools that are way smaller. Right. James, what was that? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, it's a couple things. I mean, like he said, when all those people started transferring, I was just like, what, you know, what's going on? This is, this is kind of crazy. But at the same time, like, man, what could it be when all these guys are transferring and getting all the playing time? They get they getting all the shots, and when they come back, they're gonna get even more. So I was like, that's crazy. But uh, man, I, I just man, just talking to some of, some of the guys and understanding, um, you know what they how they felt. I understand both sides, but at the same time, like being a guy who went to two different schools, I understand that like, no matter where they go, it's gonna be the same thing. It's gonna be pretty much the same thing anywhere you go because every coach every school is trying to incorporate their culture and what they want to do. And you have to adapt to them. They don't have to adapt to you. You know, they brought you in there, you signed the papers to come there and everybody that comes there is trying to, you know, adapt to what he has going on, his foundation. So, I mean, 
it's tough, man. Like, I wish I could, like, sit down and really find out, like, what's really going on with each kid. But when you see so many kids transferring, it definitely brings up a red flag, like, what's really going on. My only thing with what you're saying, James, and I do agree with that, but sometimes when you have coaches who telling kids one thing and then when you get there is another thing. So now yeah. the, the kids feel like, well, nah, this ain't what you promised me. Yeah. And and a lot of coaches do that. But I feel like all of them do it. You, you might find a few that don't. I mean, if you ever was a coach, do you think you're going to do that? I feel like if I have a coach, I'm going to tell the kids what it is. I'm not making no promises. It, you, it, it's hard. It's hard because you, because you, a lot of these coaches sell expectations, like sell what they they want the end game to be. You know what I'm saying? And as the player, you go into it expecting things to be one way, no matter what, right? But it's never ever going to be what you think it is. No matter what happens, no matter what you think is going to be, it's never going to be that. No matter what. So going into it, you have an expectation of something that's not realistic anyway. You think you're going to play all these minutes. You think you're going to be a star. It's never that. Nobody wants to wait their turn. Nobody wants to, like, nobody want, nobody's going into the college. Like, like even you had to, you had to, you you were a star. You had to go into Cincinnati. Like, I mean, I don't know what you thought going into it, but you like, I'm going one and done regardless. But it's like, I'm going to score this many points. I'm going to do this. You're thinking that, but it's, it's not, it didn't happen that way. You know what I'm saying? You played great, but it didn't happen the way other people thought it was going to happen and the way you did. That's just right. how college is. You know what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. I thought I was going to have to come in here and score 20 plus points. You know, right. Kenya, Kenya wasn't a score his junior year. Um, but when I got here and Kenya just got so much better and better, I didn't need to do that. We were winning, so I didn't care. And yeah. I mean, I, I knew I was leaving. I would have had almost every 0.0, to not leave and be a lottery pick. But but so, imagine, but imagine the kids that aren't in your position, right? For sure. You're already locked, right? You locked already. You're going to the league regardless. But imagine the kids that had those same aspirations, but have the also thinking in their mind that they're supposed to be this or that, right? And it don't happen. I mean, they're not averaging 20 points. They're averaging nine points. You can average nine points and go to the league, but these dudes can't do it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just different. I was so the same now, way, man. When I went to Florida, I was like, man, I'm going in here. I'm one and done. You know, me me and David Lee, we're going to go out here. I'm coming off the bench immediately. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Playing 17 minutes, 18 minutes, standing in the corner. You know what I'm saying? None of the stuff I thought was going to happen, happened. And it was like, Man, I gotta get out of this, get out of this place. You know what I'm saying? So that's how that's how it be. Yeah. So, and then when you got here, I'm sure Huggins was really pleasant to uh, <laughs> to adjust. See, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about Hugs. The reason I came here is because when I came to practice and watched them, it was the exact opposite of what was going on at Florida. So when I was at Florida, you know, you know, if I like say I, I got a rebound or I blocked somebody's shot and I said, get that ish out of here. I, I might get kicked out of practice. Like I might get kicked out, kicked out of practice for that. Like stuff like that was like what was going on in Florida. It was like, we do things this way. That's it. You have to be this way. That's it. When I went to Cincinnati and watched them dudes and like uh, a call happened and this guy's like, man, it, it didn't go that way. And the hugs yelling at him. He's kind of yelling at him back. And it's like, but it's all respect. And it's all like in the, construct of what's going on i was like man this is this seems like a place for me right here i like this so does some of this maybe make sense when you find out that that john brandon's a billy donovan disciple 
that, that no, he played for him and Marshall? Makes, once I start talking to people, everything makes sense to me. <laughs> like, like he's trying to develop his thing, just like right. Villanova has, just like Billy Donovan had at Florida. He's trying to develop what he wants to do in his way of doing things. And if you don't fit that thing in that mold, you might not like it, but that's what I'm trying to do. But that's how you build a program. That's how you build a program. Everybody that comes through Villanova, DJ knows this. All those kids that from DC that go to Villanova, they come from the same place. They come from the same uh, the league. They come from WCAC. They the Matthew kids, St. John. They all Gonzaga. They all the same type of guy. You know, they all go to Villanova. The same type of guy. He gets the same type of people, and they come in as a program, and they already are adjusted to what he wants. So he doesn't have to do much now, but it took time for him to get there. So. So, so you guys don't feel that the coach needs to adjust at all? Because this is a, a different level than NKU. No. No. That's, yeah. That's kind of my thing is not only just the different level of, of it from NKU to Cincinnati, but also because of the, the transfer portal. And, and if this once this waiver goes through and and we are in an era of player empowerment, right? Like. I, I talked about this last week on the Bearcat Journal podcast. The days of this sport being completely driven and dominated by coaches is is kind of gone because the rabbit has the gun now. The players, to an extent, get to call the shots, at least to an extent, way more than they ever could before. Yeah. And so you have to adapt and adjust. And if you don't adapt and adjust, there's a good chance you're going to get left behind. And then that goes for John. That goes for Billy Donovan. When he was, if he was still in college goes for Jay Wright at Villanova that like all the guys you're talking about Huggins Huggins has changed his style at, at West Virginia. Yeah. I, I think Billy Donovan changed his style. Like the year I transferred, like four guys changed, I uh, transferred and the stuff that how Joe Kim Noah is used to be, is exactly how I used to be. So I find it hard to believe Billy Donovan was like, all right, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to treat him the same way. I know he had to adjust and change up a little bit because Joe Kim was way wilder than me. And I know I know he I know he didn't let him do the same thing. I just know he was just like, all right, I have to loosen up a little bit, you know, because I, I got this guy here that's how he is. I mean, you have to adjust if you got if you're trying to win. Now I think a lot of it's buy-in as well if you get buy-in as a team as a whole from the get-go then you can kind of instill a little bit more of, of what you expect expectations on top of that and I don't know if that's kind of what this team had at certain points or or I mean winning helps buy-in obviously but it kind mm-hmm. of seemed like at this point they didn't really have too much of a buy-in early in the year yeah, yeah it's like I mean, a perfect storm of not winning not having a lot of older guys um all that kind of hurt them at the same time, but the winning is definitely if you if you're winning and you don't you want things done your way, and they're like, all right, well we winning, so it must be working. I mean, this is the way to do things. But if you're losing, you always got somebody. It's always gonna be. We all talk. We players. We all talk to each other. Like man, I don't. Like when I was with her, it would be days. This guy, that guy, like I can't do this, man. I got to get out of here, man. I can't. <laughs> I'm tired of him yelling at me. You know, this is how players do, man. So that's all you got to is just the players. So it's just tough. Right. I mean, this year, I think this year is gonna be a learning process for everyone. 
I hope them, I hope them guys that transfer, I wish them nothing but luck. And I feel, I, I think coach probably sitting back thinking too, like, damn, what did I do for a kid? I've been recruiting since seventh grade who has the keys to my program. What did I do for him to leave? Tar Eason, who's an all freshman team. We just made it to the championship game or the conference. What did I do for these guys who I probably feel like I gave every chance to play as a freshman? What did I do for these guys to want to leave? And I'm pretty sure he looked at the man and be like, you know, maybe there's some things that I could have done differently and maybe will do differently going forward. Maybe not, you know, you never know. Now, do you think the fact that Mikey Saunders and the Madsen twins, uh, those are the ones that off the top of my head that I can think of, they, their dads were their coaches coming through. Uh, do you think that may have had some kind of effect on the decisions that were made and how they reacted to the season? Um, go ahead, go ahead. Um, shit, it's hard to tell. I mean, well, Gabe, Gabe wasn't playing. So, I mean, it makes sense for, for you know, Gabe to leave, even though if I'm, if I'm Gabe, I'm saying, you know, all oh, these guys not playing when, when the Jesus is like, I'm not playing to Julius. I'm sorry, not playing. He could have maybe came back. Um, Mason was playing great, but with, with, with Saunders, I feel like they've been knowing each other for so long. So you should, you should have pretty much known what to expect. It wasn't like, you know, he just got with this kid a year ago. Right. I mean, I, I mean, from the people that I've seen that their fathers are coaches that coach them, it's their fathers are the hardest people on them. So I don't know. I don't know what the reason was. I don't think that was an issue because, like I said, normally the, the, their fathers are the hardest people on them, especially when they're coaching them. It's hard to please your father all the time, and then you got to go home and hear it again after the game. So it's like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it, I mean. Hopefully it gets fixed and like, sooner than later. Yeah. So Demar, with when you came into Cincinnati, it was kind of a, a freshman influx, like an underclassman influx, but you had those senior leaders. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of a, a massive key in this whole situation as well? When you nitpick it? Well, yeah. I mean, we were lucky. I mean, we had great seniors and great freshmen, and I mean. Especially, especially at our at our school, I don't know how how common that is to have you know a guy like Kenyon come back and right. be player of the year. Then you bring in two McDonald's All Americans in the same year. I don't know how common that is here. And we, and I think we had a, a perfect mix because me and Kenny coming in as scores. And then when we came in, they didn't need they didn't need us to do that because we had so many guys. I mean, Logan, Logan probably could average twenty a year if he wanted to. And but we didn't need that because we had so much, so many weapons. You know, everybody just had to do their part, and we just played through Kenya. And then James, you went through obviously the whole hugging situation, and then it kind of seemed like you guys rallied around Andy Kennedy in that one season as well. Kind of take us through that, and and kind of how you guys were able to bond together and, and pull through during that. Man, uh, that whole situation was crazy from the hug situation and him leaving to Andy being there and that's not having like any scholarship players really, but like seven guys really, but we had no choice, man. It was like, it was like sink or swim really. And um, then we played in the big East for the first time. And it was like the best 
year of the Big East in history. So it's like, yeah, nine teams go to the tournament. So we had no choice but to come together and figure it out. And I think uh, Andy Kennedy did a great job. Um, he kind of, he was like a total opposite of um, Hugs as far as like his philosophy about the game of basketball. His, his demands was the same, but his offensive, his offensive, part of the deal was so we already was most of us already had the defensive part in our in our game from hugs he just turned it over the offensive way and we was able to have some success man we had a we had a good year uh, i was just talking to somebody the other day we beat lsu that year and they went to the final four you know um still think we should have made the tournament but you know that's another story but yeah man we i mean i think we was pretty successful for what we had that year man people don't know that I mean, people that at UC know that we had Connor Barwin out there at center. So, you know what I'm saying? So, it's like, you know what else you want, right? You know what I'm saying? We got Connor Barwin out there at center, man. So, he's going against Hilton Armstrong. Like, well, I don't know what y'all want. <laughs> so, going back to the kind of how crazy the transfer portal has been, and you having a very unique situation, having transferred from Florida, sitting out that year, and then going through the Huggins transition to Andy Kennedy and all of that, what are your thoughts on – if they were to open things up, if a, if a coach leaves a program for whatever the reasons may be for giving a, a player another free chance to, to bounce out the same way that a coach can. Man, that, that always was my issue. Like, cause a coach can just basically just leave. And then the players are sitting there. They're like, they don't know who's coming. And just like if coach Brennan comes in, you got a bunch of guys that are already there. You're going to put, you're going to try to implement your system. Maybe those guys fit your system. Maybe they don't. You might have some seniors. I always thought that that wasn't fair uh, for the players and I always thought they should be have the opportunity to leave. And I think – I don't know if, it, if that rule is still uh, – it affects that the players still right now, but I think that uh, that's, a, that's a big thing because I always thought that was unfair, that coaches can do what they wanted to, but the players were always not allowed to do, do what they wanted to. So I think that's where you see the good – in the, in the transfer portal, you know, in the portal thing, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, I just feel like if you're going to transfer and make it a good reason, like it has to be something, something there, like don't transfer because, you know, just cause it's not exactly how you want it to be. Nowhere you go is going to be that way. So that's, this is all how I feel about it. Talk about yeah. it. You, you both have mentioned the grass is not always greener on the other side in different ways. Kind of just expand on that. What you mean by that? You, you don't, you don't know. You don't know what you, what you're walking into. The same way that coach got you to to the school that you're transferring from, could be the same way. You know, you the school you're going to transfer to. He can it can be the same thing. At the end of the day, you gotta you gotta do your job, and you gotta know what your goals are, and you gotta go in there and buy in. Because, I mean, every year you ain't gonna be able to. Every time somebody piss you off, you can't just up and leave. Now, but the flip side of that is there are some guys who really probably should leave, no, who sure. really are in crap situations and they're doing everything that they said they'll do and everything they're asked to do and still get, you know, the crap into the stick. And, you know, for them guys, yeah, that's what the transfer portal is good for. But then you got the other guys that are just being emotional and, you know, you go somewhere else and when you get there, you realize, damn, I should have stayed where I was. Yeah, I mean, the grass isn't always greener. And I feel like anywhere you go, you're going to deal with a certain amount of BS or the stuff that you're not comfortable with. Um, sometimes it's just about fit. Like, 
you pick a school and you think you fit, but it, it's just not the fit for you. And I feel like that's how it was for me. I had a guy, I tell this story all the time, there's a guy on our team in Florida named Ladarius Holland. This dude was like all, one of the all-time leading scorers in Florida history, right? He was a senior when I was a freshman. He was like, we go to the, like, the, the rec center and play. He was like the best basketball. Like He was like Jordan, dude. He could do everything. He was unbelievable. When he got into practice and the games, he couldn't do nothing. And it was because his whole, his whole mental was gone. Like everything he could do was just gone because he was just done. He was a senior. And I looked at him all the time. I used to be like, man, I can't, that can't be me. But I saw myself turning it, kind of like turning into that. Like my game wasn't the same as when I came in. Everything wasn't the same. My mentality, I was more like a, as uh, soon as I catch it, look for the extra pass. It like, wasn't the same player I, as I was. So I felt like I had to get out of there amongst other things that was going on. So it's all about really like, you know, what your situation is. Do you really feel like you need to, you know, do you think you can really get to where you need to get to in that situation that you're in? If you can't, then go. If it's, if you really feel like you can do it, then do it. But I mean, everywhere you go, if you're in a top program, it's going to be those situations, man. They got a bunch of guys coming in. You got a bunch of guys on the bench that want to play. What are you doing to better yourself and put yourself in a better position? If you can't answer that self, answer that honestly and be like, I did everything I can do, then you need to stay where you're at. What you, what you just described sounds to me like, like Mamadou. So like Mamadou has so much physical ability and skill. And I've seen him take over practices a few years ago, even as an underclassman. And and him transferring makes sense because when he get out there, he he's he's looking nervous. He's turning the ball over. Then he'll make some plays. He'll hit some threes. He'll block a shot. He just needed to go somewhere where maybe a smaller school where he's being on the floor. He's not worrying about every little thing he do. He's getting pulled out the game for. He's go out there and show that he can do something. Yeah, yeah. Confidence is key. Um, yeah, in every level. So of the guys coming back, you have to figure that. Now you're going to have DDJ being a fourth-year player, uh, a fourth-year college player now. You got Davenport, who's going to be a, a junior by all counts. Who knows what the actual wording of any of this means for, <laughs> right. for the classmen yeah. or what even eligibility. You're going to have guys who've been here for like eight years at some point, I think. But um, so you got some guys who are finally going to be older guys. So, you know, you got, you know, four key guys right now that we all know of. Who knows if Keith or, or Chris come back? I don't know that anybody's expecting either of them to come back at this point. But then, but, but then you're going to have, you know, this influx of guys. So plus you're going to have fans in the stands again, at least at a smaller capacity, if not mm -hmm. getting back to full with vaccines and all that. So what kind of difference is that going to make going forward with this program? And what kind of adjustments do you feel like coach needs to make immediately? And then also more so long term? Um, it depends on how he wants to play as far as his new recruiting style. Like, is he going to like, which way is he going to go? Is he going to try to make, try to get guys for an immediate impact? Cause there's so many guys that are transfer pro, uh, protocol. Like, like you can get three or four senior guys for this year and have an impact this year. Um, are you going to try to build around, um, the guys you have? I mean, I think, um, what's the, what's the kid, what's the kid you said going to be a junior next year? Davenport. Yeah, Davenport is a great piece to build around. You know what I'm saying? Because he has the that thing, that dog in him that you can look at him and say, "This is how we want you to play." He's going to play hard every time, and he's he's bought in. He's into the, he's bought in. So 
you can say, this is the guy I want you to model everything in. These new guys coming in, follow him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a that's a great guy to build things around for the next couple of years. But it all depends on what he wants to do as far as he wants to start all over or he wants an immediate impact. Because there's, there's going to be a lot of guys out there that you can get for right now. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's what I feel bad for Davenport because he played his ass off all year um, and, and saved us a lot of games this year and everybody ended up leaving. Um, so to answer your question, I guess it really depends on, first you got to get some players in here. Then once you get some players in here, then I guess figure out how you want to play with the team that you have. Um, I know he wants, to, he wants some shot blocking. I know you want to play fast, so you can't bring in a slow seven-footer. Um, you want to press, you can't have them guys out there. Um, I heard he wants some some length on the wing, on the wing too. Um, that's always good to have. Interchangeable guys like that, sort of like Davenport, who can guard multiple positions, knock down some shots, and just be able to get up and down. But first things first, we gotta we gotta get some players. Length on the wing, that's 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 you two guys, right? <laughs> yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I saw you. I mean, Damar, you were mentioning you've got a couple of years of eligibility left. I mean, you got three whole years, man. Three. <laughs> I love I love to use it. <laughs> but no, so I, it, it is interesting to break it down like that because you could truly build an entire roster off of the port if you guys are you know going to be the coach of a team. Say your head coach. What is your approach? Now that you know high school kids have that option once they come in to do that one-year transfer, are you kind of put now placing a bigger emphasis on the portal? Well, I don't you know, it, I mean, everybody, everybody's panicking over the transfers, but the portal is going to be so heavy. It can be a blessing in disguise, mm -hmm. but we just got to, we just got to hope that, you know, guys see coming here as opportunity for them and not look at it like, well, why did these guys leave? Um, Cause it's talent there. We just got to get them. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel the same way. I know five or six dudes that's in the portal right now uh, that would make an impact immediately. But it's like, is that that's what I'm saying? Is that the way you want to go? Like where you want to use this immediate impact. Let me just put my system in place. So I want you to see that the way I do things can work. And then from there, we just go, you know, we start recruiting, you know, the younger guys. But you see that what I, what I, if I get the players I want, it's, it's working. But it's, it's so many, it's so many different options you can go. You can go half and half. You can get, how many scholarships is it? Six. You can get, you can get three seniors coming and you can get three young players. So get a couple of Juco guys. It's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of options out there when you got six scholarships. I think we're up to eight or nine. Eight. Eight, that's eight, even, that's, see, that's even crazy. So then you can get three <laughs> legit senior guys coming in that this is their last chance. This is their last. They have to buy in. You know, you can get a couple JUCO guys, same same type of scenario. Then you can go get to an overseas guy. You can get some high school guys that, that fit what you want to do. And you can have a good two, two years where it's like, you know, I really I have another two years of building what I want to do. And then from there, that's, I mean, how you can recruit. So Brent kind of alluded to it, asking you guys what you would do if you were coach. But I know that you've both kind of mentioned or, or at least been kicking tires around the idea of 
you know, you were already here, Demar, but uh, James, you've been talking about potentially coming back to Cincinnati as, as a coach as well. So what are your goals as far as coaching goes in the next, you know, five, 10 years as we look, you know, just down the road a little bit? Do I do that? Um, if I was coach, you, you, you know, I think it's always good to have ex-players around um, on your staff around in whatever capacity they can be around I me. Mean, look at North Carolina, their whole staff, ex-players, Duke, their whole staff is ex-players. And um, you bringing in young guys in there who probably looked up to these guys and they're going to listen to these guys. You know, these guys going into the gym, these AAU gyms or high school gyms, and these kids know who they are. And they're going to, they're going to believe what these guys are telling them because they live through things that, you know, they're going through. Um, so I do think and for me, as far as my, my goals, um, I'm just, I'm just trying to, trying to, you know, work with the game of basketball. I mean, ultimately I always say I want to be in the front office, but I still want to get back. I want to coach. I want to develop. I mean, I think I'd be great at, at, at recruiting. And I think that's why Mickey even brought me here. Um, I told coach that when I, when I first, when he, when he first got here and I met with him, um, hugs asked me to. What I did from come coming here for Mick, finishing school and being on the bench, Hugs asked me to do that a few years prior. And I just wasn't ready to do that because I was still playing. I was still playing when Mick called me. I was minding my business. Mick called me. I left. <laughs> I left. I stopped playing basketball to come here, go to school full time and, and and work for free. And um and 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 hug for hugs, it didn't make as much sense because I only got him in Morgantown. When I got back to Cincinnati, I was embraced so much by by the fans and I didn't know because I, I was one and done. I wasn't even sure how many people even remembered me. It was so fast I was here. And when I got back here, I was embraced so much. So it just made so much sense. That's why I'm still here. I finished school. Uh, my plan was to when I finished to, you know, move up on the bench for Mick. But then when Mick went to UCLA, I know my DC roots were recruiting probably don't mean as much in, on the West Coast than it would in Cincinnati. So, you know, I, I, I get it, but I'm definitely here, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to work MBA, college, and I would love for it to be in my own school. Yeah, um, I mean, like DJ said, as far as having players on the bench, like he said, if you look at all these, these top programs, I always talk about Villanova because to me, they're like one of the benchmarks as far as uh, you know, the system and like their, their culture, as far as their culture, they like, to me, one of the top teams. And you look at their bench, they got Dwayne Anderson, who went to Newport, was a Newport guy. And they got Mike Nardi, two young former players who played at a certain level, who get the players. It's, it's a different time now, man. Like these kids are like all about show me, like, what can you show me? Like everything's like, show me. Like, I, I can hear you, but I need you to show me. So if you can't prove that you can do it or show them that you can do it physically or show them a tape of you doing it, they don't really listen. They don't really listen to you like that no more, man. It's, it's just, that's just what it is. That's how these kids are. Trust me, I got a 16-year-old. He's the same way. Only reason he listened to me sometimes is because I can still beat him one-on-one. -on -one. So like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it is, right? So. I mean, that's a big factor, man, like going to these kids and talking to them and then having a guy like Damar or me sitting down with when you go into a room and talking to these kids' parents and be able to say, look, this is 
this is how life was for me. If you want your kid to get to here, this is what he has to do. And you're looking at this guy like, okay, he got there. He knows what it takes. I mean, both of us have different stories and had different paths to get to where we, we end up going, right? So it's like, that's a, that's a factor. And as far as me, I mean, I'm the same way, man. I just want to, I mean, my dream was always to be a coach. Like since I was started playing, you know, I never thought I'd play as many years as I did, but I mean, I always wanted to be a coach and we've both done, we both went to the top hundred camp. He, he did the coaching pro assistant coaching program. I'm doing it again right now. Um, we've, he's done all kinds of, he's coached on big bench. We all are doing the necessary things because they always try. It's always different obstacles for for players nowadays. They always like try to put something in front of you, like statistics. You have to know about uh, you know, the numbers and this. So we always have to do the extra stuff. So we both have been doing everything possible to you know put ourselves in a position that you know one day be on the be on the bench. We we both take it super serious. So like like when people be like, oh, just put them on the bench. We both like are like, nah, we really want to do this and we really take it serious. So like that's like a big thing for both of us. So kind of going with that, the numbers, the analytics, it, mm -hmm. it seems like that is a side of coaching and college basketball and sports in general that's really just lifting off. But in the end, I think kind of in college basketball, recruiting is the, the top importance as well. So what do you think about meshing analytics with recruiting and, and kind of just seeing how those two mesh? Um, that's where that's where the, the NBA coaches program came in. So, so great for us. Um, I, I, I finished it a few months ago. Um, they, they want me to get back in it right now. I might do it, I might not. I've already did all the work, right? So, because their thing is now they're hiring so many people who never played. They just know the numbers because they feel like the guys that played not going to do the work. So they don't want us to basically, they want us to check all the boxes. Mm -hmm. So you still have your eye tests and your experience but now you know the analytics. So yeah, I know how to use all the software now. And you know, I've, I got my experience of playing. Recruiting, recruiting for, I mean, where we come from, man, we got, we, we, we breed players thing, man. like it ain't nothing. I got, I got, <laughs> I'm pretty sure James do too. I got coaches, AAU coaches that they were, they are, these dudes, my friends, these dudes coached me, these dudes played against me, they'll just, throw me players just on the strength of me being me without even having to blow their phone up. You know what I'm saying? If they know, if they know I'm, and it's like that with a lot of guys from our program. Almost all the guys who got degrees that play for our program is on, on benches all over the country. And, and, and DC you know, assault, right? Yeah. 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 And they, and they, and they given, and they given us players. And, and for me, I can go to, I can go to the top player in the country and be like, Hey, I was you, and I came to Cincinnati, and I, and I can show you how to get here. And there's only a handful of people, not a handful, but not that many people can have that conversation with the top kid, you know, Imani Bates. I was you, you know, mm -hmm. and and I think that's a that's a um asset. Yeah. I mean, people don't know, like me and DJ had the same path through high school, pretty much, you know, went to the same school, say AU. And like we have, we both have uh, Keith Stevens, both coached us at, at Newport now. He was our assistant coach now. He runs Team Takeover, which one of the top AAU teams. He leads the, the world in 
He leads the world in technicals. I don't know Probably if I've ever seen a Keith Stevens game <laughs> that he didn't get a technical. Probably he's the same way. <laughs> but this this is our this is our high school, you know, coach. And this guy's mm-hmm. running one of the best AU teams. And you know the DC area funnels all the players. They have the best. We have the, we bring in the best players. You look at Michigan, we they got two guys from uh team takeover that's there now. You got big Hunter Dickerson. And you know, so we got we got guys, we we got we got ways to, you know. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, man, I looked at the transfer protocols, six guys in it I know, six six young dudes that I know. And it's like, I hit them up immediately. <laughs> I'm like, what you going to do, man? What you about to do? Say, hey, what if I get this job, man? You going to come with me? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the type of impact we got because we're still young. Like, we mm-hmm. still understand them kids. They understand mm-hmm. us. They still look up to us. Their parents, their parents remember us because they're our age. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... Mm-hmm. We all that stuff is, you know, easy. That's the easy part of the game for us. Like the part that people uh, look down upon us is like, like you said, the numbers and the other, the other aspect. Because, like you said, they think, like a lot of people say they want to coach. But a lot of people don't put the work in, right? They don't put the work in to do it. It's a lot of work to be an assistant coach. It's really harder sometimes to be an assistant than it is a head coach because they're the ones that's do breaking all the film down and doing all the extra stuff. You know what I'm saying? They bring it to the coach. You know what I'm saying? So it's hard work. But if you're willing to do it and you really love it, then that's what separates you from everybody else. And um, like you said, we've been, you know, putting the work in to, to, to get to the check all the boxes off. So there's no excuses for why you should pick us. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's, that's what it is. Right. Luca Gar- Garza was takeover too, wasn't he? I don't know if he take over, but he he's from DC. He went I, to. I heard, I, heard, I heard he played for him. I didn't see him play. With him, I, I think I he, yeah, I think he played for him. I don't remember him playing for them though. But I think he might have played for him too. But he's he's a DC kid. He went to Merritt, so he's he's a DC kid. And he's Italian. And he's Italian. That's another that's another mark of checking off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we 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 got the overseas connections too. You I see him in Michigan though, Juwan Howard. And my mm-hmm. guy Howard Osley was my teammate in Denver a long time in Utah Jazz, them guys who played. It's like, you know, a Penny and Mike Miller's gone now, but a Penny and Mike Miller bringing all them players in. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Them, them, them dudes been where these kids want to go. They can talk, they can talk that talk to them. It, like, like people knock the recruiting. So, like I heard somebody say the other day, like, you know, recruiting goes so, so far, but you're only as good as the players you bring in. You know what I mean? You can you can say what you want to say, but if you got the players, I mean, it's only so much you can do if you ain't got them. If you ain't got the players, you can't do much. But if you got if you got players, you're always gonna have a chance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No matter how bad your system is, you're always gonna have a chance. Yeah. Well, no, no. A lot, a lot of times, I think sometimes some coaches don't don't want to don't want to have guys that that they feel like the players are going to pay more attention to than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I don't I don't want to call it insecurity because but these guys your assistants work for you you know what I'm saying they got to have your back mm-hmm. but that, that ain't nothing you need to worry about because I do think sometimes that's something that that guys worry about yeah for sure for sure well speaking of, of good players Aaron go ahead I think I know where you're going with this well no I was just gonna say I was born in Bethesda Maryland so that gives me like DC kid you talent probably, right you, probably, you with us man you with us you with us. <laughs> You nice. got it. Yeah. yeah, James from your side. Yeah, I am. We're from Montgomery County. We're from the same little area, man. We're together. Slim, James, James won't admit it, but he looked up to you, right? The DJ? Yeah. Uh, I, I admit it all the time. That was like my <laughs> – 
Hey man, I, I ain't gonna lie, man. I always always say that, man. I, that was my guy. Listen, when I first see, I was from Montgomery County, and DJ noticed. There's no, there's nothing. Back then, there wasn't a lot of dudes coming from Montgomery County. There's nobody coming from Montgomery County. No dudes that from Montgomery County playing for DC Assault. So I was an unknown guy when I came, and I came on that team. And to see him, Keith Bogans, and all those dudes, they was ranked. I didn't know nothing about rankings, and I just really started playing like organized basketball. To see those guys, man, the stuff they was doing, I was like, man, this is crazy. And then back then, like my first, <laughs> my first tournament was this uh, BET Classic, and this, this dude right here, this dude got dropped off by this this young lady, nice young lady. She had scrub. We had high school. She had nice. She had these scrubs on. She worked at the hospital. But we had high school. She had nice little bands. I was like, oh man, like. This dude is this dude is <laughs> this dude is serious, man. <laughs> like he had all the shoes because he had we had all the Adidas, we had Adidas, so he had all the shoes and all the outfits. Like he was just he was the man, you know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely looked up to him for sure. You know what I'm saying? Went to we went to the same school, like I said, we went to I played the DC so then I went to Newport. He left when I went, he went to a different school, but yeah, that was my that was my guy. DJ, first time you saw James jump, you remember? No, I'm no. not not the first time I, I saw him jump because I mean we all was flying, but there was one time when we when we was in LA, I was already gone at this time. I was even I, I was in my rookie year after my rookie year. It was he came going, out. probably going into your rookie year. Yeah, that's when I just saw he started doing all the crazy stuff from the free throw line. And I'm like, dang, this kid is flying now. Just one year. I mean, he probably <laughs> was jumping back then, but I'm like, damn now. He doing crazy stuff that I haven't seen before. You guys want to jump into the mailbag now? You got one more, Brent? Well, yeah. Well, kind of just – I think this is in the mailbag as well, but it's a, it's, it's a hot topic around Twitter, Bearcats Twitter right now. I already know and, what you're about to say. <laughs> well, I, we've, we've got to get your take right now. I, yeah. I mean, you watched tape last night. so I did. I did. So, so lay did. it out. Your team – Versus the final four team from '92. Okay, so final four team from that, and I watched, and I watched the game. I watched the game last night, um, the, the the Michigan game, right? Like, I, we beat them guys. We 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 beat them. They had a good team. They they pressed they pressed their ass off. Um, I'm going back and forth with Corey about this. Corey saying Kenyon's only going to score 12 points. They got too many guys to throw at them. Man, Chris Webber did was doing jump hooking, dunking. Chris Webber was doing everything out there, and I'm like, and, and, a, and a, that's a young freshman, Chris Webber. So a senior's Kenyon, come on now. And we just we just had we just had too much, man. We got we had five drafted players and all guys who who could have done more had all of us not been on the same team. Like we all sacrificed except except really Kenyon, and I don't think them guys. We're, we're, we're that deep. I don't know if they had enough ball hand. They just had a whole bunch of strong, big, strong guys, man. We were too fast and just had too much talent for them dudes. Okay. James? Uh, I, I don't got nothing to do with this because my teams don't have – are not in the conversation. <laughs> my teams are nowhere close. But uh, I don't know, man. It's hard to – I hate when people try to compare errors. I mean, it's not too far off. Like, it's not like they was, like, just, like – Oscar Robinson and, and Kenyon era or something like that. But, I mean, I saw his team. I, I remember that team like it was yesterday. I just remember how – see, people don't live – people – people. if you weren't there, you don't understand. Like, 
if you weren't there, you have to be there to understand how dominant they were. Like they were like unstoppable. Nobody was messing with it. it wasn't close. Like it was just like everybody it was a foregone conclusion that they was going to win the championship. You know what I'm saying? It was like a foregone. Everybody knew it. Like nobody could beat them. So it was like, I don't know, man. I'm rolling with them. So then, what do you guys think? Can 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 we get one of you guys take on this? Do you have a? a, a they were young. They they were they were babies in '90. I was I was only. It was fifteen in ninety-two. I was eight. Yeah. I was I was two, but I watched the tape like Demar. I watched the tape. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you guys would have had a problem with Nick. But Maybe Kenny, but... Kenny. Kenny was good. I, I'm not taking yeah. that like, but I don't think mm-hmm. Kenny as a freshman was ready to guard Nick as a senior. But yeah. Maybe. But but they didn't have an answer for Pete. They didn't have an answer for you. Who's going to guard mm-hmm. you from that 92 team? I have, I have no idea. Their guards is like 6'3". Right. You're 6'9"? Yeah. Put Terry on skates. You the eight Terry <laughs> yeah. up. I didn't, I didn't think – I didn't even think it was fair. And, and even for Nick, if, if it ain't – we got Kenny and Logan. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't think Logan could have cut Nick – was, Nick was special. Nick was definitely special. Nick was definitely special. And I, I just didn't like if we're, if we're being straight up, like DJ. That. If we're being straight up, DJ, you gotta say Nick would have been a problem. Nick is definitely a problem. Nick, Nick is a come on. A, a, look, I, I saw so much of the game last night. I watched the 93 game against North, the North Carolina game. Yeah. yeah. And I grew up a North Carolina fan. So I, re- I remember I'm, now I'm looking at him, you know, the 40 year old eyes back then. I'm 12 when that game happened. I'm I love Donald Williams. Always, you know, love the shooters and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, Nick's the only player on this whole floor that can create his own shot. Right. Like George Lynch and Reese, them guys, just athletes. They shoot mid-range shots. You know, Phelps, the point guy, like Donald Williams, those dudes can't create. Nick the only one I can create. But I'm like, man, even North Carolina won it that year. We beat both of them teams. We beat North, we beat North Carolina with no problem. Yeah, I, but now saying Nick would give you guys fits, I yeah. don't know that there's anybody else that would give you guys fits. Like, yeah. I love Corey. Corey ain't handling Kenyon. No. Not senior year, Kenyon. No. And, and I don't know where else. I mean, that 2000 team, man, it, it just – it was the perfect culmination because you always talk about, like, like great teams. Why, why are great teams great? It's because the, the pieces fit together. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you guys were a puzzle, man. And, and mm-hmm. all the pieces interlocked perfectly. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything you guys didn't have. Right. Like, what was what was the weakness of that team? Right. Exactly. I don't really think there was one. No. 92 had, I don't want to say weakness, but they had a couple spots where they weren't as complete as you guys were, is how I would describe it. Right. You had, we had inside and outside. I mean, Kenyon dominated inside. I mean, Tate. Tate, you know, big tough guy who was good right. at defense. He can finish. Come in, Fletch. Fletch, big tough guys. Fletch can knock down the three. Donald Little, who who played a long time pro, but Donald Little could have been an NBA guy. Yep. Like he he had some practices where I'm like, damn, this dude might be as good as Kenyon. That size, running the way he ran, athletic, blocking shots. He, he, I don't know what it was. Maybe that incident kind of messed him up. Well, he just ain't wanted as much as Kenyon did, but we just had so much time on that team. Then you bring in Lenny Stokes, who Lenny barely even played. Lenny, <laughs> Lenny was a hell of a player. 
end up being one of the juicy greats. Yeah. I get to interview him later tonight on my other podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my God. Um, so I guess the next logical question here would be, uh, is there a UC team since you've been gone or prior that you wish you could have played on? And why is that? You take that, James. Let me think about it. I mean, pr- prior, yeah, I wanted to play with them. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to play with them. Um, man, I can't say that because, man, I'm used, so used to the hugs era, right? So, like, after I left, it was no more hugs. Like, there was no hugs era. So, it was over. It was just a, it's a different feel. It's a, it's a different feel, right? Like, you guys know, it's not the same. It wasn't the same, I, and I can't explain it, but it wasn't no – I really stopped um, keeping up with it as much as I as, as much as I used to. I mean, I'll probably say maybe that the, the Kilpatrick teams or something like those those teams was pretty good because um, he was he was a great player. But you and didn't have a connection to Mick, right? Because Mick was gone. Oh, so Mick was by not the time a you got here. when I was there, and yeah, I was gone when he came in. So I, I yeah, me and Mick wasn't. He was at Louisville when I was when yeah. I was there. Yeah. And DJ, he he recruited you, right? Like, yeah. that yeah. you and Mick have been tight for a long time. So that's a yeah. different part for you, Slim. Like, you didn't have that, or, or James, you didn't have that connection to Mick, right? That DJ had. Yeah. So everybody probably was a gone. Little bit I different. got there, everybody was gone, and it was like, like if AK was still there, see, AK was my guy. Like that was my guy. Like even when he was assistant, that was my guy because he was like he's one of the coolest guys in the world. First of all, he's funny. Super- Funny dude, cool. He, you could just talk to him. You know what I'm saying? And he, un, he was a player. You know, he was a player. He's a guy on the staff that was a player. If you look at the, this staff, they had him and Legree, two guys who played the game. Um, and he just understood the, the game, but he was, he played at a high level. He was really good in college, so he understood everything. Like especially offensively, he he really helped me, especially my senior year. Like go to another level. You know what I'm saying? I, if, I don't know if you guys remember my first couple of years. I had to play point guard because we had no yeah. we had no point guard the first two years. Yeah, so yet our mean. Now we the both of us was playing the point. So <laughs> I know. Like, we both and Nick Williams too, guard, right? Dude. So we and then we had really no offense. So then, like when my senior kid came, we get Devin Downey, and now we get into a, like an offense, and I get to go in the wing and really you know really play. So and he really helped me. So like if AK was still there, then I would have been like you know right all in with the you know everything. So. Yeah, I, I can't. Only the team I can say is, is DJ's team. I, I got a I got a great AK story real quick. I'm sitting in a back gym, uh, Peach Jam. They they changed things up at the Peach Jam a couple of years ago, and the teams that didn't make the Peach Jam, they had a tournament for those teams that was like around Augusta. Mm-hmm. So it was like the high schools and stuff. So I'm sitting with Mick and AK, and we're watching Jackson Tigers, who at the time had a sophomore named Devin Booker. Mm. Jackson Tigers from Mississippi. AK was at Ole Miss at the time. AK is sitting there with Mick, and, and Mick's watching a different kid on that team that he's trying to get. And I think Booker scored 54, 56 in that game. And this is when he's a sophomore playing playing 17U, playing against seniors. No big deal. And about midway through the, the second half, he's just hitting everything. Fall away threes, step backs. Just just putting work on people. AK looks at Mickey, goes, There's no fucking chance I'm getting this kid. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it right away. Right. 
that 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 kid's going to Kentucky or Duke or right. wherever the hell he wants to go. He ain't right. coming to Ole Miss. Right. That was about that was about 44, 46 points in when the re- realization hit. No, no. <laughs> Mick, which kid are you looking at? I might take him from you just to right. just to make make this trip worthwhile. Hey, but Chad, the thing is, why why can't you get him? Why can't you get him? You don't have to go. You don't have to go to these blue blood schools anymore. No, but at the time, yeah. But at at the time, I mean, Kentucky was just churning NBA dudes. You want to play in the NBA? I mean, you're a one and done at that. Mm -hmm. You want to be a one and done? Like Mm -hmm. Kentucky was where you. This is when Devin Booker was a sophomore. What's that? Eight, ten years ago? Eight years ago? So way different now. It's way different. Yeah, things have changed now. But I feel like I feel like like it's been different. I went one and done at UC. Beasley went yeah. one and done at Kansas State. Yeah, but you played at one of the greatest college teams of all time at UC. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some guys, but I'm saying the, what, what's different now, DJ, is these guys aren't like, it's not like we have, it's not a thing where we have to go to these schools yeah. no yeah. more. It's not like that no more. Like people are going to where they feel comfortable now, I think, yeah. more, more than ever. And I think that's a good thing because it's making a, it's, it's a parody in college. So you can so you can get the local so so now it's more important than ever to get local players like guys that are in your area that are good because I mean they they some guys don't want to leave home you know mm-hmm. so it's, it's more important. look at this year Jalen yeah. Suggs at Gonzaga Cade Cunningham at, at Oklahoma State those are the two best at least two best freshmen in college for sure yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and those dudes didn't go to the Blue Bloods although I guess Gonzaga is kind of getting there. Mobley and becoming at USC one, too, that's a connection. Yeah, Mobley at USC. All their dads on the staff, though. That don't right, count. Right, exactly. Oklahoma State, USC, their dads on the staff, man. Right, right. Count, man. Yeah, man, yeah I mean, is, is that how good your kid got to be? Man, my youngest one gonna be a problem now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> me and DJ, me, me and DJ got seven year old. How old is your oldest uh, youngest now, DJ? He nine. He nine. Oh, yeah, man. he just turned. He just turned nine. Okay, he um, one. He one year old. Last month, yeah. Kane's about to score, uh, turn eight. So, yeah. yeah. We got some guys. We're going to put them on the same team back then. Soon, coming up soon. But, yeah, Chad. <laughs> hey, Chad, look, you got to be cool with these these AU guys. Mick got cool with Curtis Malone. And yeah. they sent me to they sent me to, to Cincinnati. And same thing in, in Hugs, too. Curtis love Hugs. He was going to send he, – he hired he, Delonte. And Mike yeah, he was going with Delonte going. Yep. That's how it works. You think Hugs would have hired Delonte at Cincinnati? Yeah, probably. I yeah. mean, it depends if he had an opening, probably. For, for Beasley at that point in time, you find the open. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I don't think OJ would have ended up here. I think Bill would have ended up here. Bill, I, thought I, just OJ, don't... I thought the OJ thing was done. I thought it was happening. It, it got weird at the end. Okay. As you can see, why what happened at USC? It, it got a little, yeah. OJ, got a little handsy. OJ, if OJ would have went, Bill would have went for sure. I think Bill would have came here. I didn't know about Beasley just because I didn't know. I mean, that broke up a friendship, man. Hugs oh, yeah. and Bobby Lutz. I don't think they ever recovered from that because yeah. Bobby thought he had yeah. Beasley at Charlotte. Yeah, and, and I think I think Coach was a little upset with Delonte too, but like. He had to do what he had to do. Worked out pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> For all parties. <laughs> Except Bobby Lutz. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out well for Bobby. 
Oh, I never answered the other question. I wouldn't want to trade my team for for another team. But if the question was one where I had to pick another team, I mean, I, I would have loved to play alongside Nick on one of those 92, 93 teams. And even the team when I first got back here, I thought was was really good with Troy and Kevin and Jake, Gary and, and Kyle. Gary and Kyle. Yeah. But I don't want to do that. I feel like I got to take, Kevin out of his spot, but you know, me and, understand. Jake, me and Jake on the wing, me and Jake on the wing with Gary could have been dangerous. I, I might have been. <laughs> I want to go back like to the Oscar Robinson days and play in that era. I'd have been something else in that era, boy. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, James, my, you... same move, my same move packages I have now, I would have took back then. Woo! No three pointer, though. That's all right. <laughs> dunks everywhere, all all day. Can't even dunk back. I would just have to lay the ball in. But I would. Just... <laughs> yeah, you can have those days. How many? How many times? Want, actually, I don't want to go back then. You're right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm okay. How, how many times did Chuck tell you guys the story of of him and Oscar combining for 55 points in the Garden? Who? Chuck. I, I, think, I think he might. I think he might have told me that. I think he might have told me that. You never heard that story? Nah, I never heard that story. You know, Chuck played with Oscar. I didn't. I, I didn't even know that. Yeah, they were roommates. So wow. they, Oscar set the the scoring record at Madison Square Garden with fifty five points. Yeah, zero. So yeah, Chuck tells the story <laughs> that him and Oscar combined for fifty five points at Madison Square Garden. That's cool. Classic. That's that was classic Chuck. He he used to love to tell that story. All right, Aaron, mailbag it up. All right, one uh, one question here. How important was the school's apparel deal when you were being recruited? As uh, you guys had iconic jerseys with the uh, with the the jump man, um, and is it still important to kids today? Man, I mean, you know, you know, Meech. We always talk about it. You know, Meech the shoe man. We always talk about this. Super important. People don't think that's important, but that's super important. Like it's it's really a big deal. Not just for the kids. Not just for the kids that's going to come there, but for the people buying the merchandise like just having that nike or jordan symbol changes a lot like it does and i remember going to practice when i was getting recruited and that dude the the trainer handed me that jordan book like here just pick what shoe you want i was like what (laughs) (laughs) what you mean that was a big deal and it's it's still a big deal it's still a big deal today man like if you compare it to like under armor if you compare it to like now, if it was Nike and Jordan, it, not that too much of a big deal. But if you compare it to Under Armour and Jordan having a Jordan deal, it's a it's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a, a added incentive for sure. Um, for for me, I was an Adidas guy in high school. Yeah, hey, you guys were Adidas. Yeah, yeah so I, I went to Nike school my first year. So, <laughs> yeah. so for me, I knew I was only going to be a one and done. It it wasn't as important. It, it was great. To, to have the weight program is is kind of you know what it was all of it actually combined really but Sonny had to kind of Sonny McCurl had to kind of you know give his blessing because I was an Adidas kid I was supposed to have a big Adidas contract and all that stuff and he was like you know yes yeah, a g- good idea to go there let me let me tell y'all a story real quick let me tell you how serious it was for me I don't know if y'all remember this. Y'all probably don't because y'all are bad because y'all wasn't Florida Gator guys. But my first game at Florida 
was at Madison Square Garden after 9-11. We played Arizona. I had these shoes. We had wore blue uniforms, but like the orange thing. I had these orange hyperflights. They're called hyperflights. I was the only one on the team that had them. The whole game, Dickie V circled my shoes, was just talking shit about my shoes the whole game. Look at them shoes. They're ugly. Look at them. It's talking about the whole game. The whole game. When I got back to school, Billy Donovan said I could not wear those shoes no more. You're not allowed to wear those shoes no more. Like, it causing too much attention. Da, 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 da. Like, for now, from then on, I had to show what shoes I was wearing to him before I wore. Like, I couldn't wear certain shoes. So when I got there, and they, they let me wear whatever I wanted to, as long as it was in, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, was, it was a big deal for me. Like, that was one of my things, because I could wear whatever I really, really, really wanted to wear. You know what I'm saying? And I already wore Jordans anyway, so that was a big deal. Yeah, that's crazy, because I wore phone posits. When yeah. I was here, a lot of the season, I, I use my Jordans just way around. Yeah, I ain't want to mess them up. But, um, but you could do what you wanted to do. Though. Yeah, the phone pause is just was just coming out, and I was and I was getting phone pauses in different colors, and and people still remember me from when like Canon sports socks and phone pauses when mm-hmm. I was here. Me and Kenny, me and Kenny wore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, another one. I by the way, James, you on that senior year SK team would have been. Pretty nice. Strong wing with SK. Fantastic. Brings me to my point. Next question. When you guys were with the Bearcats, who on your teams was was the most difficult to beat one-on-one? Armin. Armin, okay. Armin Kirkland. People don't know. Armin Kirkland is one of the one of the most talented dudes to play at UC. People don't people don't understand that. Because in the games it was a little different, you know what I'm saying? He he wasn't able. That's that's like one of those situations where, like, it didn't translate all the way to like the games. But Armin was a problem, man. Like like, he's one of them dudes you don't want to guard in like open gym, especially with unlimited dribbles. <laughs> you dribble straight till you get the shot he want. But he was six eight. Armin was the strong one of the strongest dudes on our team. He he was skinny, but he bitched like three hundred pounds. Like rep 300 pounds. He was strong as hell. He uh he, he was athletic. You know, he could do between legs. He was super athletic. He could shoot the ball. He had everything. He just, I mean, just didn't translate all the way to the game all the way, all the time. But if you watch that UConn game, his last game he ever played, yeah. with Torres ACL, you saw yeah. what he was doing to Rudy Gay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, about 15, 17 in the first half. He's killing. I mean, that's that's the guy he sh- he should have been the whole time. You know what I'm saying? That's the type of talent he had. He he was super talented. We we never played we never played a lot of one on one when when I was here, um, and and that's that was my foundation. I grew up playing one on one before I got playing AAU. That's basically what I did. I couldn't imagine like losing a one on one to any of those guys. I mean, for, for like if you got to start at the top of the key now, the post, I ain't strong enough to guard Kenya, but I shot the ball better than everybody, and I jumped higher than everybody. Now Logue, I'm pretty sure would be hard for anybody to guard. But it's that, but I'm six nine, you know what I'm saying? But Logan hey. knows how to get that shot off. He knows how to he get so to his elbow, bro. and he just knows how to get his space to get his shot off. Bro, one time he came back to practice with us. He hadn't played in like a year or two. He was trying to get back overseas. He came to practice with us for like two weeks. And this dude was scoring at will on everybody. It was crazy. <laughs> I have another guy too, a guy named Vincent Banks. He never played. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never played for the UC. legend of Vincent Banks, but that dude right there, <laughs> yeah, real problem, real problem. Slim, I would have, yeah. I would have paid to watch you and Pete play one on one. 
Ooh. Yeah, but see, the thing about that is Pete, Pete, Pete ain't the greatest shooter or ball handler, right? He so, like but he could have bullied yeah. you. You were skinny back then. That's the thing. My arms are so long. I'm still skinny, but my arms. <laughs> so when let me tell you stories. When we first got here, like Logue and Pete really tried to go at me and Kenny, like, and we like when we first got to school, and that ain't really work out great for them. Like we were we were younger and skinnier, but like we 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 we've been playing in that circuit for. For years, we've been playing against the best high school players. I just came from MCI in Maine, where it wasn't really a high school house. We playing against big, strong dudes just like Pete. You had Kron on your team. Yeah, and and Pete is Pete is a stronger bully type of player. I don't know how much that translates into like a one on one setting because I'm just so tall and like he'll try to foul me when I hit him with moves and and all that, but <laughs> I could just get my shot off. Yeah, I still would have paid to see it. I think it would have been fun. <laughs> probably, probably, yeah. Well, so, and you at Kenyon, too, obviously. But, but Kenyon, Kenyon can't handle the ball or shoot enough. He Now, on the post, I, I ain't got a chance. He's too strong. Now, Kenyon will be able to do be more of a bully because we're the same height. And right. he outweighed me by 30 pounds. So to follow up that question, um, we have who is the best opponent that you faced while at UC? Single player and team. Uh, player? Man, that's tough. I'm going to skip the player for right now, but the team is Illinois, bro. That Illinois oh, team. God. Oh, God. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. I don't oh. remember anything from that game. That's how disgusting that Was game. that a New Year's <laughs> Eve? Like no, late at no, night? no, that was in a tournament. No, that was a, not not the time we played him in Vegas. Okay, we, the time we played him in a tournament. The yeah, night, oh, yeah. I remember that. that was such a beatdown. I don't remember what happened. I don't remember what I did. Usually, I can remember all the plays I made. I don't remember anything. That was just a beatdown. Uh, probably the best player that I played against, in, as far as college goes, probably be Francisco Garcia. He's probably he's probably the best player in college that I played against at the time. Yeah. So it's for me, as far as teams, it's between DuPaul and Temple. Um, DuPaul had like four guys go pro on that team. Q Richardson. Yeah, Q Richardson, Bobby Simmons. Simmons, yeah. Paul McPherson, Stephen Hunter. Um, and and Temple, Temple had a few pros in that team too. McDonald's All Americans, Mark Carter, Kevlar, McDonald's All Americans. Quincy Wiley, I mean, Lynn Greer had made millions and millions overseas. He 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 killed us. Uh, Pepe Sanchez, who played on my team, oh, <laughs> yeah, and and that was a big thing. He was supposed to not play. He was acting like he was hurt that game. Right. And he last minute deciding to play, and he just controls the game. He's just so smart. Like he he was on my team with the Hawks, and and I think we might end up letting him go, but he he. he he played great. He, he's a hell of a player. As far as players, well, I don't know if it's players that I had to face myself or just that we played against because Marcus Fizer, um was killed us that year. He was good. I would stay him and Jamal Tinsley. But for my position, it's probably Quentin Richardson. Yeah. 
we'll talk about that DePaul game then. I mean, because that was phenomenal. Was it? Did Huggins really say Kenyon has to touch the ball every possession and then talk about your game winner too? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't quite remember Huggins saying that. He probably did, and he, he didn't. He didn't really. He didn't really have to because Kenyon just Kenyon just blacked out. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was in another he was in another world because we were down 19 at DePaul with all the time that they got. And P. Michael didn't play. Um him and Hugs got into it after the Temple game. Um, because Mark Carter had 28 and you know, it was a whole thing. He went off on P like P they play defense. P was mad. P take pride in defense and he ain't playing against DePaul. So we're down 19 there without P. And Kenyon just just went nuts. I mean, he's making threes, jump hooks, driving, blocking shots, and we're just out there. <laughs> and then at the end, the ball just ended up in my hand. Jermaine Tate made a great pass the lane still, passed it to Kenyon, and um, and Kenyon ended up passing it back to me. And people say that my I hesitated because Hug said that nobody else was supposed to shoot the ball, <laughs> which that ain't really true. My hesitation was, I had the whole lane to really drive in and go to the rim. But then it's like, man, I could go in there and get fouled. Did they not call anything to happen? I, so I just hesitated. I was like, no, I'm just going to take this shot. Okay. And you made it. That's all and that I matters. And I made it. <laughs> James, hate to, hate to bring up a sad, uh, sad moment, but man, you were, you were scorching against Syracuse. I'm mad at you were scorching against Syracuse. That game, that that game goes down in history as one of the uh, the worst beats. But still, I mean, talk about how you were feeling in that game. I mean, career high, you were just killing. Man, it was like it was like our last chance uh, to get in the tournament. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we played Syracuse twice already. We feel like we had their number. We had that zone. You know, playing that zone, we just. I mean, I was just able to just beat that zone in the middle and then make plays on, on, on the fast break on both ends. And I was just I was just feeling it, man. Devin was playing great. Everybody was playing great. We was just on feeling great. Then I hit that that go ahead win the the to win the game. Dev got the steal. He missed the free throws. I'm like, all right, we still up. Then McLaren hits damn near a half court shot between two people. <laughs> I'm like, oh. No. Then we still had time. And then I threw a great pass. I think it was Jihad, right? Jihad. Yeah. Started. I'm thinking it's, it's going in, and then we, then we miss it. So it's like, it was heartbreak, man. It was heartbreak. I knew then we were – I mean, I didn't know we wasn't going to win the tournament, but I was like, man, this is going to be tough. And then Syracuse won the tournament, so it made right. it worse. It t- like, took away from one of the teams that – you know, because they wasn't supposed to make the tournament. So it was tough. Golly. Well, and you both had a good game against Louisville during your – I mean, James, you got crazy dunk package against Louisville. And and DeMar, your first half against Louisville is one of the – probably one of the best first halves in Bearcat history. Talk about those games. I mean, shoot. So I feel like – I feel like I never missed against Louisville. Even even the game at home, um, I don't remember what I had. I just seen – I got some highlights. And I just hit a lot of shots against them, home and and away. I just – Felt like I don't know, I don't know what it was. I just felt like I, I never missed against Louisville. Yeah, Louisville was like always like kind of like our rival when I was there. Like that was our big, our big team that we played. Like 
So, you know, anytime we played against them, you know, you had to, you know, I had good games offensively. I had good games defensively versus them because I always had to guard either Garcia or Taekwon Dean, those, those great players. So, I mean, that one game you're talking about right there, yeah, that was just a fun game. Yeah. That was a ESPN. That was just fun. That was just fun. That was just a fun game. Right. And that that's the let you know about how deep we were as a team because them 20-some points I scored in the first half and – I don't know if I scored two or zero the second half. Zero. Zero, right? So I, Crazy. And I, because if I'm at another school, which, I mean, I could have went to another school and averaged 25 points. If I'm at another school, I'm probably get 40 this game easy. Right. But I, I didn't, I never cared about that stuff, though. There. I'm looking through the mailbag, and I think we pretty well covered everything that we had there. Okay. I mean, shoot, you guys obviously have dove into uh current state of, of the team and whatnot, but and any other memories from, from your guys's memory banks that, that kind of just, just to speak to the BCJ, love to hear it. Anything? Got something. <laughs> What'd you say? You got something? No man, my time here was quick. I was in and out. I was, I, I was in and out of this place. As soon as y'all lost in the tournament, you left, didn't you? When go start so, working out. As soon as we lost in the tournament, it was spring break. I got to Cincinnati. I got my stuff in my truck, and I was out of here. And I was in L.A. Uh, a week after I left Cincinnati, <laughs> me and Kenyon, he was he was rehabbing, and I was working off for the draft. Yeah, and I went. I came out there with y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I just, man, I have so many memories, man. I mean, I was there four years, so I have so many memories, but I mean, I just want to, uh, say that, you know, we gotta keep the faith, man. Just keep the faith, all the Bearcat fans. And we've been through tougher times. Trust me. We've been through tougher times where every transition has, has been tough. If you, if you think about it, all the transitions from coach to coach and staff to staff have been tough. So just, you know, Stick it out, you know what I'm saying? We always come through. We always come through with uh, great players, great teams. And I, I think the same thing will happen, man. So, I mean, um, I just want to – I want to get more involved as far as, like, you know, our DJ's there and I'll come visit DJ more and just be more involved with the team, like, so I can, you know, have more memories because I, I got away from doing that. So I want to get more involved in it. I think you'd be amazed uh, even just getting back into the arena, how many people would recognize you and mm -hmm. just like what kind of experience it would be for you as a player coming back since I know I haven't seen you in the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if you've been there, but. No, what's crazy is I hadn't been back to Cincinnati since I left school until last year, last mm -hmm. year homecoming. I came back for homecoming and I came back with DJ, stayed with DJ, uh, I went to Midnight Madness um i was able to you know hang out and, and you're right like even walking around campus for like you know walking downtown the banks and all the different stuff people do remember you you know what i'm saying and i was there for four years so like you know how dj said he was surprised i was i was the same way you know and then it's always a good feeling like i haven't like i couldn't go back to gainesville and people are like oh you, did. you know what i'm saying but, but <laughs> i definitely feel that love i feel that love in cincinnati man and um I think it's important just to get back to, you know, now that I've graduated and everything like that, I think it's important to like get back, give back to, you know, what, you know, you know, that and, and 
continue to build on that, you know, for for the future and for the people that are there now. Yeah, for sure. This, I mean, the way they, the people embrace you here is, is is amazing, man. That's why after I finished school, I still I, I bought a house here and, and still stay here. But like what James was saying, when he when he got back, he came back here and, and visited, and we were hanging out. Even aside from people recognizing him, he knew way more people than I did. Like, I don't even know these people. He's because he guys around at the homecoming who he went to school with, and like, he know these guys. I have no it's, idea. It's, it's, it's a little different because when I went to school that year, I sat out. The year I sat out and then played, I made friends with all the regular, like, people that weren't playing basketball and stuff. I was, those are all my friends to this day. A lot of the guys that went to school with me, they're all my friends still. Like, so I have a lot of friends that, you know, don't didn't play basketball, didn't play football. It was just like, you know, and they're still in Cincinnati. So it was good to see all those people. Yep. Chad, anything else? Nope. Just appreciate both of you taking your time and, and coming on and sharing some stories and, and talking through some things. I know, you know the, the fans are hungry to hear from you guys right now because they want to hear how much this does mean to, to the former players and everybody that, that has been through this program. So much appreciated to both of you for taking your time out. And uh, DJ, I'm sure we'll, we'll see each other at the grail cross paths here soon. <laughs> hey, Chad, I got a question. Okay. What do, you, what do you think about, and do you know the guy on Twitter, Brad Chindle? <laughs> I, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, that great was name. hilarious. That was, that was great. That was hilarious. I mean, you know. When you have the Twitter personality I have, <laughs> sometimes people want to. Sometimes people like taking a run at you because they know I'll bark. The thing is, they know I'll bark back. Now, is you he know? is he trolling? Is he tweeting? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, oh, but okay. actually, that account's been around for like I've been aware of that account for a while. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't really like. He doesn't really cross the line or do anything mm. to like give me problems. Right. He just. He just wants that name out there yeah. to know he's like messing with me, which is funny. Right. Like that, that stuff. I don't mind the people that show up and want to have a contest to see how much stupid shit they can say. Like that's when it gets a little bit, a little bit taxing, but everybody loves you. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. Cause I'm, I don't say crazy stuff. You're Switzerland. <laughs> You're Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I came across my mentions. I thought it was hilarious. Oh yeah, that one's that one's a funny one. There's been some other ones that haven't been as uh, uh, respectful, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. hey, if, if people are creating troll accounts about you on Twitter, you're doing something. You're doing right. something. You're doing right. something for sure. Bad publicity is good publicity. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, though, fellas. Appreciate it, man. It was Appreciate awesome. Appreciate you guys. Thank hey, no hey James, when, when you get in town, let DJ know, and I'll meet up with you guys down at the banks. Yeah, he's going to be there. He's going to take me down there anyway. That's his, you know. He loves hey. <laughs> All right, guys. That's, there are, there are our title sponsors. Like, uh, us and, 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 the, and Holy Grail are, like, mm -hmm. as tight as you can possibly be. So, right. uh, the, they are very good to us. We are good to them. And uh, I love getting down there and, and bumping into DJ and, my daughter the other day, James, we were down there for the uh, the season finale at ECU, and my daughter, DJ, sitting at the bar, watching the game. Who were you with? Who were you there with? Um, was it Donnie? I think so. I can't remember.
But my daughter goes, is, Dad, Dad, is he famous? No, that was Satterfield. That was Satterfield. That was, was it Sat? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dad, Dad, is he is he famous? I said, I'll, if you're the number six pick in the NBA draft, do you get to be famous? She's like, he's famous. My daughter's 10. <laughs> You, you know him and he's famous? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does she know you famous? I am, nah. She knows, she knows I'm like F-list celebrity in Cincinnati. <laughs> That's all she knows from me. Brent, wrap it up. All righty. Hey, yet again, thanks, guys. Lamar Johnson, James White, phenomenal sure. interview. Everyone's going to love this. Hopefully we uh, can reconnect later on in the future and hopefully things start to turn around here with the Bearcats. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Fantastic BBP yet again for Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, James and Damar. Thanks again. This is the BBP on Bearcat Journal. Hello. Cool.